You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, Bills Mafia? Matt Perino here with Ryan Talbot here at um, Arrowhead Stadium where your Buffalo Bills just pulled off one of the biggest regular season wins uh, maybe of the last couple decades, Ryan Talbot. In a lot of ways, we're going to get into this. Of course, they they won here last year. Uh, obviously, it was the lightning game and they went on to lose in the playoff game. But it just feels like this is a solidifying kind of game. We're going to get into all aspects of it. Tonight on the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, brought to you by Tops Markets. Uh, right now, you can enter for a chance to win $1 million. The King's Hawaiian Slider Sunday Million Dollar Showdown is happening right now. Each week, King's Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Uh, visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone to enter the Buffalo Bills, 24-20. Josh Allen leads a touchdown drive, leaves a, a minute and four seconds left on mm. the clock, Ryan Talbot. And I think everybody collectively in Bills Nation was like, oh, my gosh, 64 seconds for Patrick Mahomes. Well, it just took two plays for Taron Johnson to flip the script. Yeah, yeah night, and, night and day from last year. And while I'm sure a lot of the Bills fans were sweating things out late in the game, you know, uh, what a masterful drive by Josh Allen and company, the way that he led Dawson Knox open on that touchdown pass, uh, delivered it in the perfect spot. So he, you you had to feel good if you were a Bills fan after that play. But of course, giving Mahomes and company that much time probably made fans think a lot about last year's game and, and what could have been. But uh, as you mentioned, it didn't take long for the Bills to get the ball back and to seal the game. Let's start because we're going to start talking about Von Miller, but let's go inside that last play mm. for a quick minute because I think what happened, the sequencing there was so important. It started with Miller who applied the very, very important pressure on Mahomes to flush him out of the pocket. But there, it was the secondary part of the play that was probably the yeah. most important because Patrick Mahomes came out. I tweeted it out a few minutes ago and said he wanted to get the ball quickly out to Sky Moore. He saw him flash open. He wanted to get the ball out of his hands. But the problem was Matt Milano was coming in on a blitz bearing down on him and it forced him to change to stop for a split second, change his arm angle. And in doing that, he threw it out. It allowed Taron Johnson time to jump the route get the interception, the rest is history. But that is two really important pieces at the first and second and third level, if you want to count Taron Johnson there, working together seamlessly to make a huge play. This was the difference in this year and last year. Mahomes had 64 seconds, Ryan. That was so much more time than last year and in other moments of his career. And it wasn't enough time because of the plays that 
you know, a lot of different guys in this defense, including Von Miller made. Yeah, listen, the, the the Bills made the proper adjustments when they were necessary, when they were needed, and you you nailed it. Von Miller gets the initial pressure, causes Patrick Mahomes to roll out to his right. Then you have Matt Milano, who uh, Leslie Frazier said, we're going to use you as a spy on Mahomes. If he tries to take off and run, you know, you're going to go after him. But at the same time, you can apply some pressure on him if need be, and he rolls out to the right when Mahomes does. And then he decides, I'm going to close in on this guy, really force his hand. And in doing so, like you said, one, it caused Mahomes to hold on to the ball that split second too long and adjust his arm angle. And that allowed Taron Johnson to sky in front of Sky Moore to record that interception and seal the game. You know, more on Vaughn here. It was interesting. I asked Sean McDermott, he walked into the press conference room and I, and I, and I, and I basically said, like, was this what you guys were envisioning when you went out and signed Vaughn? He comes in here, of course, gets the two sacks, but it's the quarterback pressures. It's the quarterback hits. It's the wins in pass rush reps. And it's what he's been doing all the way through this season, through six games. He's he's sitting here now after six games with six sacks. He's on pace for 17 this season. He looks fresh. He looks healthy. And Sean McDermott said, this was his direct quote, you could feel him. Whether or not he was actually sacking Mahomes, he was affecting him. And then he did uh, get him a couple times. So just you could feel him out there the entire game. He was phenomenal. And he really was, Ryan. And when you have that presence on your defensive line, it and I don't want to downplay the the play of Daquan Jones and Jordan Phillips, and I thought Shaq Lawson had a great game today. I don't want to downplay any of those performances. But having a guy like Von Miller, I feel like it, it breeds confidence and it allows a lot of these other guys to really work because you can't focus your attention everywhere. No, absolutely not. Uh, there was a play where I thought Epinesa had good pressure today, and he was right there. And we mentioned Shaq Lawson getting a sack. Uh, Jordan Phillips was in the backfield a few times on on close plays. Ed Oliver getting his hand on a ball. So it was a collective performance by the defensive line. There's no doubt about that. But Von Miller just made play after play after play. And one play that didn't get enough recognition, in my opinion, after the game was a tackle that he made on Mahomes. It wasn't a sack. It was it, He stopped him after a three-yard gain, but it was a third and 13 play. Mahomes looked like he was going to elude pressure and have a lot of green field in front of him, possibly pick up all 13 of those yards and more and keep the ball in their possession. But Von Miller came in on that play, tackled him after a three-yard gain, forced the punt, and, and that's all the Bills needed to kind of get the ball back and, and uh, take the lead in that matchup. So even those little – those few tackles that didn't result in a sack for Von Miller. He was still making big plays for this defense. And Kyle uh, Gauger over on YouTube, he says, thanks for the super chat, buddy. Uh, first time, long time. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Does Devin Singletary's performance today kill the McCaffrey talk or cause more speculation? I don't think anything's going to kill the, the the McCaffrey talk. And thank you for the super chat. The fans that really want uh, an upgrade there and Christian McCaffrey, he's an elite running back in this league. So I get the interest. So I don't think anything's ne- necessarily kill the chatter. But what I think is going to probably make it unlikely, Ryan, is the fact that there's a report today over yeah. the last 24 hours that the Carolina Panthers want a first round pick or maybe multiple high picks for McCaffrey. And this is just this is not I think somebody said it really well. Today I can't remember who it was. It was like, what? What do they think this is? The '80s and the Herschel Walkers getting traded? You're you're not going to get that kind of compensation for a running back as good as McCaffrey is. And I think Singletary showed today. Listen, I think the Kansas City Chiefs were susceptible to the run. Go back and watch Monday night's game. And I was saying it all week long in all the shows that we did that they were going to be able to run the ball 
right at the Chiefs. It's where they kind of struggled defensively, and they did that in this game. And I think Devin Singletary, that this could be a confidence builder. And what else did they do, Ryan? They flushed this whole idea of you got to spread the ball around to three different guys. There's just not enough reps. There's not enough carries in this system with this with this personnel package to involve all three guys. So they sat down Zach Moss today, which I thought was a really good decision. Then you have James Cook who can get a little bit more of that secondary role, but they really leaned in at Singletary, and I thought he was great today. Yeah, Singletary was outstanding. As for the chatter with uh, McCaffrey, listen, he is one of the, the better backs in the league when healthy. And maybe if he was putting up stats, Matt, like he did in uh, 2018, 2019, when he was over 100 yards, 100 yards uh, or 100 receiving receptions, I should say, and over 1,000 yards rushing. If he had done that every year up to this point, maybe then you could convince me that he's worth a first-round pick. But uh, at this point, coming off of 10 games over the past two seasons, there's a lot of injury concerns there. Uh, Running backs are a dime a dozen in this league, and yes, there are certain ones that are uh, better than others, but no way is the team going to be offering a first-round pick or high multiple high first picks for a running back, uh, as the report said today. So, you know, I get that if you're the Panthers GM, Scott Federer, that you want to set the bar high, but that might be a little bit too ridiculously high. Uh, as for Singletary's performance today, love just about everything I saw from him. There was one run where he tried to make one too many cuts or jukes, mm. and he lost a little yardage that would have moved, moved the chains, uh, forced the Bills to do a QB sneak, which they were able to convert. Uh, but overall, he was outstanding, averaging five yards per carry, really taking advantage of a Chiefs defense that struggled to stop the run. And, and in fact, I felt like the Bills actually went away from him at times when they should have fed him the ball. Uh, there was a first and goal scenario where he ran for seven yards on the first play, and then he never saw the ball again. They attempted a few passes uh, that went incomplete, all three of them, in fact, and ended their drive. So. Uh, if anything, I feel like his workload should have been even larger today. I, you know, going with the two backs was probably the smart call. You feel a little bit for Zach Moss. You know, he only had one carry last week, seven yards on on that gain. He's ripped off a big run here or there. The offensive line is finally starting to play better in terms of the run blocking, but he's not going to necessarily get a chance to show that uh, or prove what he can do based on the fact that maybe now the Bills are kind of leaning into this idea that Singletary is our lead guy and rightfully so, and that we need to get our rookie that being James Cook out there in that secondary role. I thought today's game was was super interesting, and I think it continu- continues to kind of feed the storyline that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks and that that margin for error in Josh Allen's game. I mean, you look at his final stat line, Ryan, in this game, 27 of 40, 67.5 completion percentage, 329 yards, 8.2 mm-hmm. yards per attempt, uh, sacked only one time, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And to me, I think that was the biggest difference between his game and Patrick Mahomes' game, is that even though he had a couple, he had a stretch there with a couple balls that he probably would have wanted back, he didn't make any of those critical errors. And those two turnovers for Mah- Mahomes, you know, the first one cost them seven points. They were right, they were they were banging on the door there on that first drive. Kyer Elam, the rookie cornerback, makes a huge play. You know, by the way, sidebar. Uh, Kyrie Elam goes out uh, on the first play series of his career against Patrick Mahomes, finishes it with an interception, and the Bills go on to bench him for the next two series. It's like it's kind of like this crazy thing that I'm kind of watching and just like 
puzzled, just like with the whole approach. I know that they really like Christian Bedford, and I get that, and I, and I, and I respect him. If you think he gives you a chance, uh, you know, in a game like this, you go with it. But I think Elam, you almost want to try to build off of that, right? Like where he makes a big play in the end zone and kind of try to see if that. Can, and I thought he played well today. I thought he tackled well today. I thought he was pretty good in coverage. A couple uh, coverage issues that we go back and rewatch the game probably you know come up even more, but. Just a little sidebar on Kyrie Elam, but I think Allen, you go back in that that margin for error where, you know, I think he got really hot at one point, 13 straight completions, but then there was one point where he had seven straight incompletions. Even with that kind of inconsistency, he overcomes it, comes up with this unbelievable touchdown drive in the fourth quarter and, you know, really spread it around and had all of his playmakers working. Yeah, he was outstanding in this performance, and he did go through that one stretch where he had a lot of incomplete passes. Then he actually ends up setting a career high for most completions in a row. Uh, so there were some ebbs and flows in this game for Allen, but he was overall outstanding. Uh, you mentioned sacked one time, and that actually came on a controversial play in which he was tripped by Chris Jones. So it, it could have been another week where we're talking about, you know, Josh Allen doesn't get sacked. He only takes a handful or less than a handful of quarterback hits. Uh, he had to lose some pressure on his own in this game, but I thought that the, the pass protection minus a few of the early blitzes uh, held up really well against Kansas City and did their job. So uh, when Allen was given the time, he really did pick apart this defense, went after Joshua Williams a few times in the game, two of which went for touchdown passes, one to Diggs, one to Gabe Davis. So, you know, when, whenever whatever is needed for, from him for the Bills to succeed, excuse me, he gets the job done. You look late in that game when he jukes a defender, then he hurdles over another one, stays on his feet and picks up more yards. He's just the ultimate weapon for a team, Matt, where, you know, you know, he can hurt you with his legs, but he's become such an accurate and dangerous passer like that throw to Dawson Knox in the end zone where he led him open that it's just, there's no way that you can stop him because of how dangerous he is with both factors that uh, in the ways that he can hurt you. One of the things I, I kind of noted in the first half, especially late, as things weren't going well, they had the, the turnover on downs, they uh, the fumble uh, close to the goal line. And it looked like at one point late in the second quarter that Allen was like rattled a little bit. I thought that the Chiefs did a really good job. And listen, you're going to have these kinds of games against elite players. Like as good as Josh Allen has become and as much as – you know, he's evolved into this elite player, you know, elite players still go through times where another team's doing really good things against them. And there's frustration. Look at Tom Brady over the year, Ryan Talbot, how many Microsoft surfaces or helmets have been broken and smashed because he's frustrated. Tom Brady today struggling in Tampa Bay, screaming as an offensive lineman. I've never seen Josh Allen react like that, but I got to thinking like, okay, is this going to be one of those games where Steve Spagnola, a veteran defensive coordinator, just throws so many different things at Josh Allen, things that maybe they weren't ready for. They brought pressure, Ryan. They brought pressure with their with their cornerback, with their linebackers, some cornerback blitzes as well, or safety blitzes. And it felt like the Bills weren't quite as prepared with that. And almost like that they were like, the blitzes seemed like the defensive line was just trying to contain which is a smart play. And then having the blitzers be the ones that really fill the lanes and force Josh to kind of be a little bit, I don't know, bogged down in the pocket. And you weren't seeing him evade. You weren't seeing him get to the outside, making a lot of plays out of structure early in the first half. And I just thought that there was a level of frustration, but he came out after halftime and it's almost like he, he let his game come to him. He relied on his playmakers and made plays. And in the end it worked out. 
Yeah, I even uh, noted at one point on Twitter that the offense and Josh Allen really seemed out of sync. They were uh, being affected by Spagnuolo's defense. Uh, the, the blitzes were getting home, forcing Allen to throw the ball quicker than he wanted to, forcing incomplete passes. Uh, and obviously, th- they thought that there was something to that game plan that would work. And for a, a period of time, it did. Maybe it was part of, of their plan was, okay, we have these inexperienced uh, members of our secondary Maybe we do need to get the ball out quickly, force those decisions, make some plays. And I'm sure they were trying to get some turnovers at the end of the day. It just didn't happen for them. Uh, But it's hard to fault that game plan because for a period of time, it was working fairly well. It's just that once Josh Allen and this offense figured things out, uh, there was no turning back for them. And they were able to really move the ball up and down the field with, uh, with, you know, plenty of success. Man. Yeah. I will to give a shout out to Chiefs Nation, man. They get here. Uh, Sal Capaccio tweeted out the video as we were driving into the stadium. Um, they are parked, Ryan, in the streets waiting for them to just let them into the lots. And they're tailgating at their cars where they're parked in the road. It's like this one big long road and they're all just parked. Some people like have their tables out, Ryan, and they they move their tables as the cars get moved <laughs> up in the line. So it's just it's wild. And like, listen, these are two awesome fan bases. And yeah. I, and I was talking about this last night at dinner too. little sidebar here as well. I feel like the chiefs and the bills are in this unique situation where there's this healthy rivalry between the organizations. But I think there's also this, this relief that after all those years of Tom Brady and the Patriots, that now they can kind of move on to this new chapter of this new rivalry and both teams don't have to kind of worry about that anymore. And, and there's this, this like, unity in that if that makes sense even though there's there's definitely like a rivalry baked in here yeah it's like a turning of the page in terms of uh the top dog in the afc and and now there's this new rivalry there's a new peyton manning versus tom brady and patrick mahomes and josh allen and you know the beauty of that is as good as these two quarterbacks are there's still some really other good quarterbacks in the afc that on any given year could come up and make some plays and challenge these two teams uh, to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. But right now, everyone watching these games, you know that when the Bills and the Chiefs face off, that you're almost, almost always going to get an instant classic because of how evenly matched these quarterbacks are, how well these defenses know one another, and the fact that there's just so many stars all over the field. Brian Bowers, one of our regular listeners, um, I always see his name down in the chat. He made a really good point. He's like, let's talk about how the... Bill's offensive line looked better after Spencer Brown left the game. And I thought, um, first and foremost, David uh, Questenberry played really, really well. And uh, I think that there's there's some issues going on with Spencer Brown physically where I don't know even before the injury if he's been 100% this year. And I'm not trying to bake in an excuse, uh, give him an excuse. Uh, it wasn't good in the first half. I thought the offensive line struggled at times. Another commenter said he disagreed that he didn't think that Allen was rattled. And Rattle's not maybe the right word, Ryan. I, I more so meant there was like a level of frustration that the Bills weren't able to kind of do what they were usually doing. And he was he was seeing a lot of different looks. They were spe- sending a lot of different kind of pressures. And I felt like the offensive line was struggling with it. And you will be. Like if you go into a game, the blueprint to stop Allen this season has been to not blitz, right? Like Patrick Mahomes is being blitzed more this season going into this game than Josh Allen. Because he kills the blitz. And so you think that you go into this game and you and they try to, you know, change that. Because if you leave a lot of these corners out on an island, one-on-one with these Bills receivers, you think that's not going to go well. 
But for whatever reason, Spagnola is so good at spacing the field and sending different looks, disguising those blitzes. And they were getting through a lot of the time. You know, Spencer Brown right now this year is uh, just one less pressure allowed than Ryan Bates, who has the team lead, according to Pro Football Focus, at 10 pressures allowed this season. It hasn't been great for Spencer Brown either at nine. No, absolutely not. And I, I thought he was coming off of a really good performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but he was struggling today before the injury. And then obviously when he went down, it, it did feel like the Bills offensive line played a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, it's it's also a week-to-week league. As good as maybe Questenberry was today, you, you really need to see that over a long stretch before you can sit here and feel confident that he is the better option possibly at right tackle, depending on the severity of this injury. Uh, Spencer Brown has had his moments, but as you mentioned, Matt, he had a back procedure this offseason. He missed a ton of time this summer. Uh, there were questions as to whether or not he would be the starting right tackle at the start of the season because of how much time he missed. And yet there he was. So he's still working through some things, even though he he's had his ups and downs this season. And and like I said, some, uh, some pretty good ups like last week's game. Uh, but until he is truly a hundred percent, who knows when that will be. I think he'll still have those games where he has some bad misses, where he whiffs on a play, where uh, some pressure comes in faster than Josh Allen is expecting it because of, of, his play. So it's something that we'll have to wait and see more as the year goes on, but you have to remember how much time he missed this summer too. Carl Tomlin asking in the super shot, uh, super chat. Can you update the injury? The bills didn't provide any further injury. He'll be reevaluated. Honestly, we won't probably get a good idea of how serious this thing is until after the buy when, uh, you know, if he's able to practice and if he's out of the boot, which he was wearing on the sideline. Uh, but it looked like he was down. It looks like he was in a considerable amount of pain. I don't want to um, diagnose it too much because they put a boot on that, on those injuries, no matter what happens. Uh, we appreciate the super chat, uh, but the bills didn't provide uh, any more on that. Let's talk a little bit about Jordan Poyer for a second. Not a lot of splash plays in this game. Uh, I'm going to bring up his stat line right now, four tackles. So a solid game uh, from that front. He was around the ball. He took on a, a couple of big uh, of big hits against Travis Kelsey. I think one of them uh, was amazed that he didn't get truck stick because Kelsey is just so huge out there. But uh, our good friend John Scott reported uh, after the game, he ta- it was uh, he must have been talking to, J- to Jordan. He couldn't fly because of the rib injury that he has. Doctors didn't want him to fly. There's been some more details that have kind of come out in the hours since. And because of that, they said he could play with with the issues that he has going on, but they just didn't want him to fly. So he decided uh, to get a car rental service to drive him from Buffalo to Kansas City. Now he's going to drive all the way back to play in this game. He wasn't going to miss this game. And I think that, that kind of goes to show the leader, one of the reasons why he wears that captaincy and, and the kind of um, juice that that can kind of give a team knowing that that was an excuse, right? That was a reason to not play in the game. and. We know Jordan Poyer. That, that's not something that he's looking for. No. And, you know, when we just had that super chat that said big dubs, I thought perfect transition for uh, Jordan Poyer right there. So, you know, he proved the, his grit. He proved he was a warrior and the fact that, one, he was going to play through this rib injury. Uh, he also proved how, how important this game was to him by making the drive from Buffalo to Kansas City. Do you know how boring that drive is, Matt Perino? He had to go through Ohio. He had to go through Indiana. Ryan, Ryan, you'd love that drive. You'd love that drive. You you have you you have a trip to Detroit circled on your calendar. Nobody knows boring trips like Ryan Talbot. So you would love a drive to Kansas City. 
No, I, I've made, you know, the halfway point when we went to, uh, I've gone to a few Notre Dame games. So had to drive uh, about seven, seven and a half hours for that. But this was like a 14, 15 hour drive uh, and not the most desirable states to drive through necessarily. But, you know, I, I'm sure he, he survived the drive there and he'll be more than happy on the way back, whether it's to Buffalo, whether maybe he's going back to uh, Florida, whatever the case may be here for the bye week. But I, I'm sure he'll be in good spirits on the way back. Well, I'll tell you right now, if you want to be in good spirits this weekend, next weekend, any weekend, all season long in the heat, in the cold, the rain and the snow, get yourself a tailgate and go kitchen. And it's been featured on Shark Take, folks. I mean, this, this is serious business I'm talking about. It's a portable outdoor kitchen and dry box made for any outdoor cooking setting. You set up in the backyard, backwoods, stadium, parking lot in seconds. It comes with a built-in cutting board, trap, paper towel holder, bottle opener, spice rack, food divider compartments, storage net in the lid, and a knife magnet. And right now, through October 29th, every time you use your Tops bonus plus car to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell's, Smithfield, and so many more, you're automatically entered for a chance to win the Tailgate and Go Kitchen for the ultimate tailgating experience. Falling leaves and crisp weather means it's our favorite time of the year, tailgate season, and you can win the ultimate tailgate accessory from Tops right now. For complete details, topsmarkets.com slash redzone. There's so many ways to save, so many ways to win at Tops, Ryan Talbot. It's amazing. I don't want us to look too far ahead because we got more to talk about on this game here in a second. We're going to hand out some awards uh, from this contest. But, you know, you really look at the second half of this bill schedule and, and you put the tweet out perfectly. And they're going to face a Green Bay Packers team off the bye. Sean McDermott, coach Bill's team, has never lost off the bye. And they're going up against the Packers team that just looks bad right now. They don't look like they're effective on offense. They don't look like they're able to really handle people with their defense. I mean, the Jets go uh, and, and beat them. In convincing fashion today, uh, I didn't even see end up seeing the final score. I think I stopped paying attention when I saw the Jets gotten to 27, 27 to 10 in Lambeau, Ryan Talbot. The Packers are an absolute mess. So if you start projecting out and the Bills at home off of a bye are able to get to six and one, and then the, it's the Jets. And, and the Jets are tough. The Jets are a four and two football team that I think you can make the argument for. They might be the toughest team to play in the AFC East. And I know the Bills lost to the Dolphins, but the Jets, to me, that defense, they're a serious problem with Quinn and Williams. Now, offensively, I don't know if they're going to be able to go blow for blow with the Bills because Josh Allen, you know, Zach Wilson, there's some issues there. But the Jets are definitely a team that all the stuff we talked about in the offseason that, you know, they were kind of bubbling, simmering. There were some nice pieces that they were putting together. Robert Saul has done a really good job. He's got that defense playing really well. Yeah, uh, you know, I watched a lot of that game. Uh, first of all, another little side fact, the Packers have never won in Orchard Park. They have never won in their history. So the bye week, never winning there, you know, that that should bode well for Buffalo. And But the play of the Packers, more than anything else, should bode well for Buffalo. The offensive line is a wreck. Uh, Rodgers was getting pressured all game. Uh, it seems like a lot of his weapons that he has on offense aren't necessarily stepping up consistently. Uh, Lazard had a decent game, uh, but there's just so much talent on both sides of the ball. It's something's just not adding up as to why they're struggling the way that they are losing to the giants, losing to the jets. And like you said, they lost the jets in convincing fashion. Zach Wilson wasn't great today, 
Uh, Brees Hall had a really nice game on offense for them, but their defense was really firing all cylinders. Their special teams uh, had a great game against the Packers today. So that Packers team is pretty flawed. And as for the Jets themselves, uh, I think the defense is for real there. Like you said, uh, they put together a nice unit. The offense, I still feel like it's a year away, but they could test the Bills. They could give the Bills a challenge here uh, post by in a few weeks. Josh Allen could be on his little, uh, his own little revenge tour. If, if, if you're thinking about it, a quarterback revenge tour takes out Patrick Mahomes today, Aaron Rodgers in two weeks, potentially. And then I don't know if Tom Brady's going to work out that those Tampa Bay bucks are not looking like they're going to the Super Bowl. No. but Josh Allen was the worst golfer in the match, uh, in over the summer. And he got shown up by all three of those other quarterbacks. And I think, uh, on a football field, it's going to be a much uh, different story. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's flip uh, the page a little bit here. I want to get to our players of the game. We're going to talk about them in a moment. But before we do, you know, I thought it was a little bit overreactive the vitriol that seemed to be slung at Isaiah McKenzie today. I get it. He didn't play well, you know, five targets, two catches, but this is a guy that's had a lot of big games Not a lot. He's had some big games for this team. The opportunity for a larger role hasn't necessarily gone according to plan so far, but we're still early on in this process. And this was a really tough game. And I will say, uh, Snead is one of the, you know, premier coverage slot cornerback in the NFL right now. And that, that matchup was always going to be tough. I know that I understand fans desire to see more from Khalil Shakir and I have no problem with wanting that, but I just think for a guy in McKenzie, who's been such a bills fan favorite for the last couple of years, he does a lot, uh, in the community. He does that uh, podcast and spends a lot of time with fans. He's a, he's a really good dude. I don't know. I just. He, he needed to make more plays today. I don't think – I think he'd tell you the same thing. But I think we got to, you know, lay off the, the vitriol a little bit. Be, and, and I know that's hard to do as the Bills are kind of like you're, you're in this kind of setting, this kind of game. But I thought there was a couple throws that weren't great. He's got to make those catches. But um, I, I'm not pushing the panic button on McKenzie quite yet. And that's fair. He had an awful game. There's no denying that. But, you know, go to the first mistake, I guess you want to call it, the fumble. I thought the Bills were playing way too cute there. They had marched all the way down the field with relative ease, and then they're they're playing this option where Allen's going to uh, pitch it backwards to McKenzie. McKenzie almost didn't even look ready for the ball. It kind of hit right. him, uh, tried to pick it up, kicked it forward, led to a turnover early in the game. 
if anything, I had a bigger issue there with the play call itself. Uh, obviously, he had he was open in the end zone for what should have been a touchdown. Allen delivered it in the spot right where it needed to be. And, you know, it was weird. I've, I've watched that play back at least 10 times down replay. Because at first, Romo and, and Nance speculated that he tripped. It didn't look like he tripped. It looked like, like a weird mistimed jump. Uh, mm-hmm. It looked like he just didn't kind of sit down in the right spot. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but that should have been a touchdown. That was just a, a bad play on his part. He had a, a ball that hit off his hands when the Bills were buried deep that uh, I thought could have had a few yards after the catch, too. And, you know, he, he made a lot of plays, or he, he failed to make a lot of plays that he would like to have back in this one. And Shakir, when he had his number called, he made, I think he finished with one catch today and it went for a first down. Uh, The bottom line is the Bills moved the ball pretty well today with Devin Singletary running the ball with Josh Allen, obviously with his arm and his legs. And then they were able to lean on their top two wide receivers in Stefan Diggs and in Gabe Davis to uh, do enough to win this game. So while they still need that other factor, that other player to step up in the slot, um, McKenzie had a game to forget, but he's still going to get those opportunities with Shakir. Uh, Dawson Knox obviously stepped up to it tight end, but you know, it was a team effort today and they did enough to win this game. As you mentioned, all right, Ryan Talbot, we are going to get to the next segment of our show here. And as always, after every Buffalo bills home game, away game, playoff game, we give you our value home centers toolsy players of the game. And right now, if you head over to value home centers, Com. They got you covered. The weekly ad, uh, it's out right now. Let me actually see uh, what's the what's the date on this. Came out on the 16th. So this is a fresh, brand new ad, Ryan Talbot. How excited are you to kind of just dig into these sales over at Value Home Center right now? I am pumped. Tell me all about them. You can get a W a can of WD forty. It's yeah. funny. I just saw my uh, my my. I think it was my father in law just ordered like a three pack of uh, WD forty. We all need the WD-40. You got a squeaky uh, cabinet, squeaky door, you know, spray a little WD-40. Get, sale, get it on sale right now. $5.99 at value. $119 for a 26-inch fire pit. $0.99 cents for a two-pack of mousetraps. Listen, we're getting into the winter months. Those little meisters, those little meesters, they get cold out in the winter. Maybe they want to sneak into the basement. Put a couple traps down there. $0.99. Cents. You, you can't beat it. Anyway, I'm, I'm going down the path here, but there's always such great deals at value home centers. And right now, if you text VALU to 80692, you'll join their text program, exclusive coupons, weekly deals, and so much more. Who's your toolsy player of the game? Before I give out my toolsy player of the game, we did have a super chat here from Bob Fix saying Milano was a stud today. You know, he's my honorable mention. You mentioned the fact that he was able to get up and make that play to force the, the interception late in the game. He had a really good open field tackle on Isaiah Pacheco as well. Uh, which is, you know, he's a speedy little running back that the Chiefs have uh, that's had some success this year when, when given the ball and he made a play there. But for me, it's got to be Von Miller, Matt. Uh, Von Miller just kind of, he six-year, $120 million deal this offseason to be that difference maker in these big games. And mind you, the big games they have in mind are going to come in the playoffs. But in terms of regular season games, it doesn't get much bigger than this matchup against the Chiefs. He has two sacks. He gets the pressure on the interception. He makes that tackle on the third and 13 uh, in which Mahomes looked like he had a lot of green in front of him for a three yard gain and forces a punt. He did a little bit of everything when the bills needed him and came up big in the clutch. What about you? Yeah, I think uh, you can't really go wrong with any of those two players that you just mentioned. 
Uh, but I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, this was a big moment for Josh Allen. Uh, I, I know winning here last year, I think, answered a lot of questions at the time. And honestly, through five weeks, I don't know if there's any more questions about the player that Josh Allen is. But he continues to kind of create new ways to be in awe of what he's able to do on the football field in a game where the Kansas City Chiefs were doing everything right defensively to stifle him. Look back at this game, Ryan, and we're going to go back and watch this this week. We get the bye week to really spend some time with it. And I think it's going to become more and more impressive with how the Bills won this game. They get the first drive. They go nine plays, 60 yards, fumble. 11 plays, 69 yards, field goal. 11 plays, 49 yards, uh, turnover on down. So already 30-ish plays in the first three drives, and all you have to show for it is three points. Three, three and out, punt. Seven plays, 98 yards, touchdown. And that's when it's like, okay, that was after halftime. That was the first possession of the second half. All right, you take a deep breath. You go back. You reassess or assess what's going wrong and then make adjustments. And they came out, they executed. And to me, this was the kind of game for Josh Allen where even if it if it wouldn't have gone wrong, I mean, I don't think he's dropping notches in people's you know MVP conversation with the kind of game he had, even if he doesn't have that late touchdown drive. But I think that to the point that we've been making over the last couple of weeks, he just has so many more chambers to, you know, in his game to go to when teams are trying to take things away from him and throwing different looks at him. And that to me has been the most impressive thing about his season as well. Like even the Steelers game, like look at the Steelers yeah. coming out today, beating the Tampa Bay Bucks, a Super Bowl contender in most people's eyes. The bills put it on them last week, their defense last week with Minka Fitzpatrick in the lineup, a defense that forced Tom Brady to scream at his offensive lineman today. And it was based off. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers did something to him last year. He made adjustments and he came back and he killed him this season. I, don't, I wouldn't go as far to say that, that he killed the Chiefs defense today, but it was pretty close. Yeah, he, he's had so many moments already this year, Matt, with his arm, with his legs, coming up big and in the clutch when the Bills have needed him the most. And, you know, really they're, they're one spiked football away from possibly being 6-0 and if they hadn't run out of time in that Miami game. Uh, they were in the range to at least give Tyler Bass a shot to win it. And that speaks to uh, everything that Josh Allen has been able to do for this offense. And the fact that we've seen now some really good teams, mind you, five and one against the reigning Super Bowl champions, the AFC's number one seed from one year ago, a Dolphins team that made a lot of big splashes. That's their loss, obviously. Uh, but they, they played against them. They beat a Pittsburgh team that was, I think everyone expecting a down year from them a little bit, but still you mentioned it. They went out today and they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they have now wins over. I would say that the second and third best team in the AFC in the eyes of many uh, that in being the Ravens and the chiefs. So through six weeks, five and one, and it's mostly because of what Josh Allen has been able to do. There was a stat going to this game that Allen had more total yardage than uh 20 some teams in the NFL, just going into this matchup. And again, 300-yard performance today, uh, unbelievable with his arm and his legs, three touchdowns, does a little bit of everything, proving why, like you said, he belongs right up there in the MVP race. Why I have him is the overwhelming favorite at this point. For sure. I mean, this was a huge, you know, uh, to, to outduel Patrick Mahomes like this, uh, and when he's the, the has been the other guy in the NFL that so far, huge for that. Look at the Bills' schedule, Ryan Talbot. 
a couple of home games, uh, just blowout stompings of the Titans and the Steelers. The other four, they they got road wins against the defending Super Bowl champs, the Ravens, who I think a lot of teams, even at three and three, I think it's a crazy stat, Ryan Talbot. They've played six games, the Ravens, and they've trailed for a grand total of like a minute in yeah. all those games, and they have three losses. It's it's crazy. I still think they're going to be in the mix down the stretch, right? Then you get this game, this win over the Chiefs, who now fall to four and two, but are still, to me, the if we're talking about Super Bowl contenders, I still think that it's the Chiefs and the Bills in a tier by themselves. And then you go to that Dolphins game, 21 to 19, 11 starters at one point not playing in that game. All of the heat issues. I saw a tweet today. Was yeah. that the Miami Dol- Was that the Miami game where the uh, the difference in one twenty? Yeah, one hundred and twenty on Minnesota sideline, ninety degrees on Miami, so a difference of about thirty degrees. Yeah, crazy. And it, I, I think if you play that game ten times, the Bills win it nine out of ten, maybe ten out of ten, uh, if not for the heat issues. But so the Bills are in a really good spot right now. I want to bring up, uh, go back to the McKenzie stuff for a quick minute. I got a message over on Twitter from plowing rhinos he goes i get staying humble with isaiah but he had an atrocious game i'm not asking for his head but he has the yips when it comes to live action and it got me to thinking and thank you i, I like all this kind of feedback if you have feedback in the show hit me up dm me on twitter we'll, we'll talk about it I'm, I'm i try to you know we try to pay attention to the comment section but man our youtube comment section is one of the hottest in the business and it's a lot to keep track of because it's we're flying through a lot of comments so if we miss it uh dming sometimes is a better idea the thing to me was you 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 talked about it Ryan that play on the option play where it almost kind of like Isaiah McKenzie was totally caught off guard you know that probably did have an impact on his game i mean he's still for as much as he's Got to be considered a veteran now because he's been in the NFL for five or six years. He's still very inexperienced. So I feel like when a game, when a play like that happens in a game, it's almost like it could go from bad to worse really quickly. If you're not able to kind of get back on the horse, you see the games that he's had success in the league, the the Dolphins game, the Patriots game. It's been from the jump, right? Like he had, he built up momentum early and then kept it going throughout the game. And, you know, in this offense, when Diggs and Davis are, are eating, from week to week basis, it was Davis last week. Diggs, 13 targets this week. Huge Diggs game. I think we got to talk mm-hmm. more about him. Uh, McKenzie, it was just a situation where he just couldn't get he couldn't get the ball back rolling. Yeah, no, he couldn't. And, it, you know, it also goes to what you said. He's still inexperienced despite being on this roster longer than any other wide receiver. Uh, he was buried on the depth chart. He was a fringe guy when they first brought him in. He's still learning some of the nuances of playing in the slot receiver position. Obviously, against man, he can use that speed to break away from defenders. When it comes to the you know zone defenses sitting in the right spot, he still has a lot of room uh, to improve, to get better, because he's not used to playing that many snaps and that many reps. So uh, while today was a bad game, We also have to remember that he was one Josh Allen errant pass, that short throw in the Miami game, away from having four touchdowns on this season uh, and being, you know, a pretty big factor in terms of the team scoring thus far this year. So, you know, mark it down as a bad game. That's fair. There's no issues with that. But let's wait and see what he can do post by. Can he have an Isaiah McKenzie game like he did one year ago against New England in a meaningful game? Time will tell, but there's a lot of games left for him to do so. Let's get into Stefan Diggs' game a little yeah. bit here, Ryan, because I feel like 
This to me felt like one of those digs games where obviously, you know, 13 targets, there's not another two players on the bills that you could combine to equal that target share. So uh, McKenzie had five targets. Singletary had five. Davis had six. He was second on the team. Knox three catches uh, and his three uh, on his three targets. And I want to talk about Knox as well before we get out of here, but let's start on digs. This to me felt like that Pittsburgh Steelers game. And, and, it, and it was different in the sense that it wasn't where the Bills struggled early and then it was just Diggs saying, give me the ball, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make all the plays. It more felt like the impact that he had in that game. Like if you go back to 2020, it was time after time, play after play, Josh Allen going to Diggs and him making plays. I mean, 10 catches on 13 targets, ends up with 148, a couple of deep balls, obviously the touchdown in a contested catch situation, taking advantage of the fourth round rookie, uh, Joshua Williams. It was just an overall elite game from Stefan Diggs and in a spot where they really needed it uh, in a place where he was held, you know, kind of in check last year as the, the Chiefs overemphasized stopping him, allowing Gabe Davis to work a bit more. Yeah, Steve Spignola has had his number the, f- the past few years in terms of how he game plans against him, double team, bracketing, whatever the case uh, is. He's been, you know, he's had a very small role in terms of the final stat line. Now, mind you, you also saw in the playoffs what can happen when you try to take him away. You have a Gabe Davis four-touchdown game performance. Tonight, though, I think that, one, the game plan was a little bit different for Kansas City in terms of the blitzing. They had some success early. They wanted to go back to that well. And then, two, you know, they, they had some very young players in their secondary where they might not have had the same kind of confidence in taking digs away uh, as they did in other weeks. And sure enough, you know, if that was the case, they were rightfully, you know, rightfully so to not be as confident because Diggs was able to catch 10 passes on 13 targets, 148 yards, a uh, touchdown reception, and, and just put together a great game. Kind of, uh, you know, flush away some of those bad performances that he's had against this team. I'm sure that uh, he'll be going to the bye week with a big smile on his face, too, because of his past struggles against KC. Mm-hmm. You know, today was the first day that I think we got to be able to really pause and and think about and understand what Dawson Knox has been going through. You know, I think yeah. in the start of the season and like, the you know, all the expectations on the bills and there's so many things to talk about. And this is such a hungry fan base that sometimes it's easy to just kind of overlook things like that. And like, I, I got to thinking about it in the post game press conference when Stefan Diggs was asked about Knox catching that touchdown pass. And it's like, man, it, I don't know what I would do like going to work every day if I lost my brother, you know what I mean? Like, and, and Diggs even mentioned it today. Like, you know, he could have just like stepped away from the game for a while, spent some time with his family, really concentrate on on his mental health, because this is the kind of thing that can really send you in a, in a bit of a tail tailspin. And so uh, I wanted to read this quote from Diggs because I thought it was, it was really illuminating on what Knox who comes up with, one of the big plays, maybe the biggest play of this game at a crucial time, uh, what that meant to the team today. He said, you see him just uh, triumph in a moment and you rejoice like, damn, a guy that's battling each and every day, regardless of what's going on in his life. It's kind of gives you like a damn. He has the courage and will to be like, I can do it. Trying to just love him up and keep him in a good space to see him have the game winning touchdown. It's like, okay, Knox, good shit. So I just thought it was like a, a really cool quote from 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 Diggs, and we heard a couple of other people talk about what Knox is going through. I think Allen included. I haven't gone back and watched his full press conference because I was in the locker room when that happened. But, you know, a really good moment for Knox. And I know a lot of Bills fans have been waiting for him to kind of break out a little bit. This could maybe be the springboard, a, a huge moment for him in this game. 
Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the mental hurdle of losing your sibling has to be weighing on him. And, and it did. He had to take some time away, obviously. Uh, this, you know, before the start of the season, he came back, he's played all year and then he signs this big contract. He's had some very quiet performances leading up to this game. And you mentioned it. He hauls in three passes, including the game winning touchdown. He has a big 20 yard reception along the sidelines when the bills really needed a big play. Uh, he, he came up big when his number was called. And in addition to everything that was going on with him in his personal life, after losing his brother, oh, by the way, he's been dealing with five, four or five different ailments this season, Matt. Foot injury, ankle injury, back injury, hip injury. I think it was a hamstring he mentioned uh, as well. So five or six different injuries. So the mental aspect of the game, the physical toll that it's taken on him early this year, uh, for him to come up big in, in this game with the game-winning touchdown, you know, it's easy to see why Diggs and Josh Allen and everyone else are, are so happy for him. I think it's interesting to note that the bit the Chiefs rushing line, if you look at the box score, looks a lot like a lot of the box scores have looked for the Bills running the ball yeah. this year. And I think after this game, if you're turning the your your attention to the other side, you know, Chiefs fans are probably wondering if they have a running problem. I mean, nine carries for 33 yards for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 3.7 per carry. He just was ineffective in this game. They weren't able to run the ball at all. They had no really semblance of a running game. 18 carries. Oh, excuse me, for the game, 68 yards. And then you look at how they attacked, you know, the the, the pass catchers. You know, Smith-Schuster gets free on that one play. I'm sure Saran Neal and Damar Hamlin after Johnson couldn't pull him down would love that one back. But other than that, you know, you kind of just let him do his thing and focus your attention on Travis Kelsey. And I know he had eight catches for 108 yards, 13 and a half a pop, but the NFL's touchdown leader didn't have a single one today. And I think that was huge. It, it was. And sure enough, in game, I tweeted, you know, the Bills don't have an answer to stopping Travis Kelsey. And uh, I felt like 90 percent of the responses were, were well, no one can. It's, you know, he's he's Travis Kelsey. He's one of the best in the league and in, in the business. And it's true. He's not slowing down despite his age. Uh, he was getting open at will and then picking up decent yardage after the catch. But like you said, they kept him out of the end zone. He didn't score for them. Uh, when the, when it came, you know, when it mattered most, the bills were able to create some uh, turnover late in the game. Uh, they got physical with Kelsey when, when at times in the game, and even if it drew a penalty, uh, like you said, before we even went live here, you know, I think they were okay with that because they wanted to keep him in line, keep him in check and make sure that he didn't have any, uh, big plays touchdowns that really hurt the, the bills at the end of the day. Indeed. And as you approach your bye week, your game week, whatever it is, let Tops do all the work for your game day and tailgating spreads. Perfect for game day or any day. Visit Topps' carryout cafe. Hot to go, fresh large cheese and pepperoni pizza is only $14. The jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, $14. The legendary Topps breakfast pizza, 20 bucks. Pizza or taco log, six, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound, plus subs, sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. All right. We're working on a guest for next week. We are going to have one or two shows. I haven't decided exactly yet. We're going to take some downtime as well. Recharge the batteries for the stretch run for Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. Thank you so much as always. See you next week. Enjoy this one, everybody. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.